Say this for me. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. In Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord. He was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into death, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and right now sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, God's holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. If you'll look with me in your notes or in your Bibles, y'all focus with me tonight. Luke chapter 9, I want to jump straight into our text tonight. And I want to uh, remind you, we started a new series, or I started a new series last week. Amber's going to be preaching next week, but I started a series last week just called Jesus Said What? Because I believe that Jesus challenges us deeply to be different than we are. Jesus does not look like the people that you go to, the, the, the average person that you go to school with. He just doesn't look like that person. So Jesus is challenging us by, and when I say that, he doesn't look like by their behavior. Everything else, he looks just like them, but by their behavior. So Jesus is challenging us. And last week, if you remember, we looked at, uh, we looked at where Jesus says, look, if your right eye causes you to, stu- to, uh, to stumble, gouge it out, which is, a crazy, which is a crazy thing for him to say. That's what he told us. So tonight, I want to look at what Jesus says here in Luke chapter 9. So I'm going to read uh, Luke chapter 9, starting with verse 57. Do you have that, Bethany? Do we have that for the screen? Uh, Luke 9, 57. Did I, did I jump ahead? I got it. All right, here we go. Luke chapter 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. So, so just so that we can, um, great, uh, just so that we can um, lock in on what's going on here. Jesus is a, is a rabbi, and rabbis travel. They don't sit and teach. They move and teach. And so he, Jesus is constantly walking, and he, what would happen is, is he would see things happening around him, and he, would, and he would call it out and teach. He would just say, hey, see this going on over here? So he's walking by, and uh, this man comes running up to him. He's got some followers. He's got his apostles. He's got some other followers that are following him, and they just want to hear what he has to say. And a man comes running up to Jesus, and he says, I, I want to follow you. Now, a disciple, uh, what disciple means in the Hebrew is follower. I want to follow Jesus. It's the word Talmudim. So you and I are Talmudim of Jesus. We're followers of Jesus. So man runs up to Jesus and he says, I want to be your disciple. I, want to, I will follow you wherever you go, Lord. And Jesus said to him, listen, you with me, Bethany? Jesus said to him, the foxes have holes and the birds of the sky have nests but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Jesus is talking in third person. Who's the Son of Man? Say it. It is Jesus. So Jesus says, look, if you want to follow me, are you sure you understand what you're saying here? Because I don't, have, I don't even have a, a place that I go to sleep at night. I lay on the ground. He said to another, follow me. So now he's walking and he looks at somebody and he says, hey, follow me. 
But the man said, Lord, allow me first to go bury my father. This feels like a, a legitimate request. My dad just died. Let me go do the funeral. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But you go and announce God's kingdom. Boy, that's intense. Look, he's dead. Why does it matter? Let's go. We got work to do. And then finally, it said, another also said, Lord, I, I want to follow you, but first allow me to say goodbye to all of those who are at my house. What he's talking about is his family. Let me go tell mom and dad goodbye. I want to follow you. I want to follow you with my life, but let me go tell mom and dad bye. And Jesus said to him, no one having put his hand to the plow and looking back is fit for God's kingdom. So Jesus said, What? No one who puts his hand to the plow. Now, let's, let's cover a couple things first. The first thing is, is the kingdom of God is what the world looks like when Jesus gets to be king. The kingdom of God is what the world looks like when, G, when we all follow Jesus' teaching. The kingdom of God is what looks like when God has his perfect plan and his perfect will, and they are happening all of the time everywhere. That is the kingdom of God. Can we all agree that the kingdom of God is not happening regularly around us? Can we, do we all agree with that? That God's perfect plan and God's perfect will rarely happen around us? Yes or no? I'm raising my hand and I asked you a very hard question, huh? Like that's kind of, yes or no, and then I just put up my hand. So I, I get that. I get that that's kind of difficult. Yes or no? <laughs> Purple or orange? So I get it. So here's the, here's the idea. So Jesus lives in this agrarian society, which just means he's with farmers. Almost everybody is a farmer or a fisherman. Almost everybody is. And so Jesus talks in farmer language and in fisherman language. And so uh, let me give it, I'll give it to you a little bit more modern language. It would be like saying this. So Jesus, is, Jesus says, if you put your hand to the plow and you look behind you, then you're not fit or you're not trustworthy to be in the kingdom. So what he's, what he's getting at is it would be like saying this. Anyone who gets in the car to drive and looks down to text while he or she is driving is not fit to be a driver. That's what Jesus is saying. Anyone who gets in the car and is driving down the road and they decide they're going to start texting is not fit to be driving. We could say it another way. This is even more of a, this is, I think, even a better illustration because the closest thing that we have to plows, well, we actually have plows, but the closest thing that you and I are going to do with plows are lawnmowers. I need two, I just need two volunteers for me. I just need two, great. Carson, won't you and Eric help me? Perfect. All right. Carson, I need you to take, I need you to take your, I need you to take your lawnmower right over there, right over there underneath the banner. And Eric, you, you're, you're right here. And you just start right here. And we're not going to crank these things, all right? Okay, so here's what I want you to do. So, so if you're like me and you've mowed the grass before, how many of you have ever mowed the grass? Anybody in here never mowed the grass? Yeah. Garrett, you really haven't? You've never mowed the grass? Who in here has never mowed the grass? Got it. Okay. Got it. So mostly young and or female. I got it. Okay. So, so here's the way that mowing the grass works. The way that mowing the grass works is you always mow in rows. So you'll mow a row, and then you'll come back, and you will 
and then you'll mow the road beside it, and you just go back and forth until all of the grass is mowed. It's kind of like vacuuming. You, you vacuum a little bit. And then you, so, so here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. Eric, I want you to look right here at this line. See this line right here? This is kind of like your, your, your row. And Carson, you come over, and you mow right beside him. And I want you guys, just pretend like, now I want you to, here's what I need you to do. I want you to make the noise of a lawnmower. Go ahead. Yeah. Good. Okay. All right. And then just mow your row. Go ahead. Just mow your row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got to keep doing that. Carson, I can't hear you. Go ahead. Now you're mowing. Mow your row. Carson, mow your row. Good. Excellent. Good. Great. Okay. So what they did was, is they looked while they were mowing, they were watching where they were going. What Jesus is saying is, anyone who puts his hand to the lawnmower and then turns around while he's trying to mow the grass is not fit to be mowing the grass. So let me illustrate. So Carson, here's what I want you to do. This is your row right here. Come over here on this side. Eric, you stay right where you are. And I need, an, and I need another volunteer. Chris, why don't you help me? You come stand right here. And, and Tyler, why don't you come stand right behind Eric? Chris, stand right behind, stand right behind uh, Carson. All right, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to mow your lane, but I want you to look at Chris. And Eric, I want you to mow your row, but I want you to look at Tyler the whole time. Don't take your eyes off of Tyler. And Carson, don't take your eyes off of Chris. Turn around and look at Chris. And make your, now make your lawnmower. Go ahead, Eric, I don't hear you. Whatever you do, don't take your eyes off there. All right, let's mow. All right, good. Good, watch it. Crap, you're going to mow me over. You just killed Tyler. Eric, st you stop. You got to look behind you. Always look. All right, good. So leave the lawnmowers there. That's great. Good. All right, yeah, let's give him a hand. So what happened? Killed it, Tyler. So what happened? Were they able to stay focused and committed to what their mission was looking behind them? No. It's pretty simple, right? And that's what Jesus is saying to us in this. In this. He said, is it, it is impossible... It's impossible for us to stay focused on the kingdom of God. It's impossible for you, to, for you to stay focused on me and look behind you, always look back and, at doing other things. And so tonight what I want to do is I just want to, I want to, I want to look at four all-in, non-negotiable commitments that we have to have to Jesus in order to follow him. So we're going to make four all-in Bethany, we're going to make four all-in, non-negotiable commitments. So if you're taking notes, four all-in, non-negotiable commitments that we have to make. And, we, and here's the thing. You're either all-in or, 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 or you're kind of in. If you're kind of in, you're going to constant, constantly be looking back and veering off course. And I think that's what we do a lot of times, especially teenagers, but also adults in our church, is we, we partially commit to these all-in non-negotiables. And what, and what happens often is, is we veer off. We're doing really good, and then we veer off. We're doing really good, and then we veer off. We're doing really good, and then we do something dumb. And then we're, because we're constantly looking behind us, and what Jesus says is, is, I want you to follow me, and don't look back. If you look back, you're going to miss the kingdom. So here they are. So number one, we gotta make we gotta make four all-in non-negotiable commitments. The first one is this is I want to experience God. This is the commitment you gotta make. I want to experience God. 
I want to experience him. I want to be with him. I want to spend time with him. I want to know what he's like, and I want him to know what I'm like. I want to share my life with Jesus. And this is an all-in commitment. And we do it several different ways. There's a, there's a handful of different ways that we do it. But I think one of the greatest ways that we do it is if we want to spend time, if we want to experience God, we've got to give him space to experience him. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus can show up in our lives at all kinds of different moments. But when we carve out space for Jesus on a habitual, regular basis, we're more apt to experience him and to stay focused in our lane and what we're mowing. We're, we're, we're going to stay more focused. So I think that our two big commitments under I want to experience God are this. I think that we've got to make a commitment to spend time in church and to spend time in our own private devotional life with Jesus. It's an all-in non-negotiable. I want to make a statement, and I, and I want, if you ever think differently than what I'm about to say, I want you to really spend a lot of time thinking about this, and I want you to spend a lot of time talking to people about this. If you're going to follow Jesus, you need to go to church habitually, regularly, and often. If you're going to follow Jesus, you need to go to church. I don't think you can be a Christian and not go to church. Now, let me qualify this because I want to make sure we all understand what I'm saying. Christian has to actually mean something. What we've done with the word is we've watered it down because we've called everything in life Christian. Like you can, you can have, you can, you can have uh, Christian music, and you can go to a Christian, you can, you can go to a, uh, to a Christian concert, and you can go to a Christian movie, and you can, uh, you can, you can drive a Christian car, right? I mean, you just, we just throw it around like it's nothing. Like just, you can wear a Christian shirt, so apparently we now have Christian fashion, you can have Christian jewelry, but we throw it around. We, throw it, we, we say that we live in a Christian country, but I want, to be, I, want, I want you to listen to me. A Christian is a noun. It's never an adjective. Christian's never an adjective. Christian's always a noun, and it's always a person, and it can only be a person. It can be a group of people. We can be a Christian family, but we can't be, we, we, don't, we don't listen to Christian music. Music can't be Christian. People are Christian. And Christian has to mean something. And what it means is, Christian always means somebody that follows Jesus. It always means that. Someone that follows Jesus. So music can't be Christian because music can't follow Jesus. And a restaurant can't be Christian. And a wedding can't be Christian. And jewelry can't be Christian. People are Christian. And so Christians follow Jesus. And so I've got to do with my life what Jesus would do. And Jesus went to church, and Jesus would go to church. So you can't be a Christian if you don't go to church because Christians follow Jesus, and Christians do what Jesus does. Now, can you go to heaven and not go to church? Probably. That probably can happen. Can you love Jesus and not go to church? Sure. But can you be a Christian and not go to church? No. 
Because Christian has to mean something. It means that I follow Jesus and I do what Jesus would do with my life. Can I be a Christian and not spend quiet time with God? Okay, I'm going to challenge you because I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this as, as stern but also gracious. Can you be a Christian and not spend quiet individual time with God? No. If you don't spend quiet time with Jesus, you're not a Christian. What? Because what would Jesus do? Well, the scripture tells us. He would steal away in the morning before the disciples would even wake up and he would go spend time with God. He would stay up sometimes all night and spend time with God. So can I be a Christian and not do devotions? No. Can you go to heaven and not do devotions? Probably. Can you love Jesus and not do devotions? Sure. Can you potentially grow and not do devotions? Maybe. But can you be a Christian and not do devotions? No. Because Christian means something. It means I, I follow Jesus and I do what he does. So if I'm going to follow Jesus and do what he does, then, I'm, then that's, the, that's what defines Christian. There is no other definition for Christian. Christian, is, Christian doesn't mean I went down front and said, I've asked Jesus into my heart. That's not what Christian means. What Christian means is I do what Jesus does. I say what Jesus says. I have the relationships that Jesus has. That's what Christian means. So we have to have this non-negotiable, all-in commitment to experience God. And the way we do it, I think... The two great ways, there's so many ways to do it, but I think two of the best ways to do it are to go to church and to spend quiet time alone with Jesus. Can you be a Christian and, and not go to church? Nope. Can you be a Christian and not have quiet time with Jesus? No. No. Because Christian means I do what Jesus does. Okay. I know some of you are like, oh my God, I'm going to hell. That's not what I'm saying at all. We're not talking about heaven and hell. I, I want to I I make, make this statement, and I want you to hear me closely. Let's stop worrying about heaven and hell, and let's worry about being Christians. All Christians are going to heaven. All of them. No Christians are going to hell. None of them. Some people who aren't Christians are going to heaven because Christian doesn't mean, it just means I, I've, I live my life like Jesus does. But there are going to be people that went down and prayed a prayer to go to heaven and then didn't always live like Jesus. Christians live like Jesus. Are you all following me? I hope that's not confusing to you. I just want to say this. If you want to, be, if you want to, if you want to call yourself a Christian, that means you live like Jesus. And Jesus changes the way we live. He just does. We talk different. We think different. We speak different. We have different types of relationships. Christians mean I live like Jesus. Okay, so number one is I want to experience God. I think the best way to experience God is church. Christians go to church. Number two, spend quiet time with God. All right, number two. I want to love. This is my all-in, non-negotiable commitment. I want to love and I want to be loved by others. I want to love, and I want to be loved by others. 
You can't be a Christian and hate people. (laughs) I hear you. I hear you. You can't. Jesus loved people. And I've got some tough news for you. Jesus had this somehow. God gave him this ability, and God will give it to you if you'll ask. He gave him this ability to see past the brokenness of someone who acted out. Have you ever been around somebody? I've had people in my youth ministry. I've been in youth ministry 20 years. I've had teenagers in my youth ministry that got on my last nerve. Like they, like they, they, and I would, and I would pray, and I've prayed from the beginning, from the first minute. God, don't let teenagers get on my last nerve. Let me see them. Let me see teenagers the way that you see them. And God's done that. I, I don't, teenagers don't get on my nerves much anymore. And I think it's because I pray really hard. Don't let, because trust me, some of you could test the nerves if Jesus wasn't helping me. But here's the thing. Jesus was able to see. Look at the people he hung out with. It's the people that we would all be like, oh, my God, God, are you kidding me? We shouldn't we should be. Remember, Jesus was hanging around. Look at the people he was hanging around out with. He's hanging out with sinners. He's hanging out with nasty, sick people. He was hanging out with poor people. Uh, poor people. He's hanging out with like just people that were broken. Hanging out with people that were demon-possessed. He was hanging out with, Jesus hung out with prostitutes. He just hung out with the people that were like, man, Jesus, are you, your reputation's going to be a little sullied if you keep hanging out with prostitutes. And Jesus was like, I don't see prostitutes. I see this broken young woman who was taken advantage of and then allowed her life to be changed, not even by all of her own choices. And he sees through all that stuff. And you and I have got to learn to see past the facade of brokenness and into the heart and the image of God that is on every single person in this room and every single person outside of this room. And we have to make an all-in, non-negotiable commitment to love people and to allow them to love us. Some of you have no problem loving people, but you have a problem letting them love you. You have a problem with letting them show you love and forgiveness and acceptance. And what Jesus is saying to us is, if you want to be a Christian, if you want to put your hand to the plow and you want to stay focused and you want to mow the grass in the right road and not look back and veer off course, you got to love people. And if you'll ask me to, I'll help you. I'll show you how to love people. I'll show you how to look past. We all got these quirks. We've all got these brokennesses, these, 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 these things that are jacked up in our life that causes people to, to, for us to irritate people, all of us. I've been called obnoxious all of my life. And that was their fault. No, I'm just kidding. But what Jesus is saying is you got to love people. Number three, if you want to put your hand to the plow, if you want to put your hand on the lawnmower and you want to stay focused in your road and you want to stay following Jesus and stay, stay, stay entering into Jesus' kingdom. Number three, I want to serve Jesus's, I want to serve Jesus' body. You gotta serve. I want to serve Jesus' body. When I was in um, 10th grade, it was the summer after 10th grade. I had, I had played the trumpet in band in middle school. In middle school, I played in 7th grade and 8th grade, and that's all. I played the trumpet. That was all of my music experience. I didn't know how to play the guitar. I didn't know how to play the piano. I didn't know how to play anything. I could play the trumpet. Problem was, is I was terrible at the trumpet. I've told you guys before. I was not a good trumpet player. I was technically good, but my tone was terrible. I just didn't, my mouth wasn't, I, 
I just didn't play well. And they would tell me, your tone's terrible. But I would, but I would stay in the best band in the middle school, but the last chair. That's, that's kind of that's who I was always. Last chair, best band. So my, my music director, I was in this church. This is going to surprise you all. When, when I was in church, any, if you went to a little church, and I went to a small church, if you went to a little church, you had uh, a worship leader, and you usually had a piano, and that was it. That's how, we, that's how we did worship. And they wanted to take some steps into um, adding some more instruments, and, um, which was a big deal back in, the, back in the early 90s for us. It was a big deal to take a step and to add anything. And my music teacher, my music director went all in. Her name was Cindy. Cindy, got, she bought a set of drums you guys have, there's no way for me to explain what a big deal that was to have drums in a church. Like there were people that, at the time, there were people that thought drums were satanic. I know you're like, how are they satanic? They thought that the, that the beat, you could play a satanic beat. Like there was such a thing. And, like, and it was like, that's Satan. That's a Satan beat. Like Satan is going to come here and destroy our church because you're playing a Satan beat. That was a legit thing. They thought there was a Satan beat. There were people that talked about it, people that I respected and loved and looked up to and who wrote sermons and books about Christianity that believe this kind of stuff. You guys don't even know what you get. I mean, y'all, y'all, are, y'all are over in kids' church. You know, at seven years old, listening to, listening to all kind of great worship music. So Cindy bought, a, bought drums. And one summer, she bought drums and she came to me and she said, Hey, I just bought a set of drums. Will you play them for us? And I went, uh, Miss Cindy? Actually, back in the day, her name was Sister Cindy. Everybody was brother and sister. Y'all don't understand that. But they were sisters. Sister Cindy? Uh, I don't, I don't, um, I've never, I don't know how to play the drums. I, I played the trumpet. I was bad. She went, no, I, I think that you can do it. And I went, okay. The next week, I went to camp. I went to summer camp at Springville. Some of y'all have been to Springville. And their band was dynamic. They were so good. Y'all know how it feels like, like you guys are, it, are, it's so funny that the same band we play with at Beach Freak just sounds better, right? You're just like, oh my God, that, like the Holy Spirit's there. The Holy Spirit's not here, whatever. So, <laughs> so they were so amazing. And the drummer of that band fell for a girl in my youth group and came home with us. And I said, and I, so I was hanging out with him, and I said, hey, they just, uh, my sister Cindy, our music director, asked me to play the drums. Can you show me something? Because I start next week. This was ridiculous, but I, I start next week. And he goes, yeah. And he sat down, and he taught me one beat. One beat. He said, this is the basic beat. You learn this. We didn't have YouTube videos back then. We didn't have how to play. We didn't have none of that cheap stuff. We sat down, and we, so he taught me one beat. I didn't have a metronome in my ear. I didn't have any of that stuff. Cheaters. I had, I just, and I was like, I was the, I was the base of the band. I like, I had to hold this thing down. And my very first ministry, I told you all about this before, was I was on the puppet team. My very second ministry was I was the drummer for our church, and I was terrible. But I got, but it was that moment that I ended up playing the drums for our youth group. And in our youth group, I said, I'm going to learn to play other instruments and teach teenagers how to play other instruments. It was there that I made the decision that I think I can do this. And that's, that's why from the minute that I've been here, I've been here now 
14 years, we've always been training young people how to play instruments. It's been a part of who we are because I wanted to serve Jesus, and I thought that music was a good place for me to serve. What you have to do is you have to discover what your area of giftings is, and then you serve Jesus with it. And it's non-negotiable. Can you be a Christian and not serve? No. No. Can you not serve and go to heaven? Yeah. Can you love Jesus and not serve? Sure. Can you be a Christian and not serve? No. Because Jesus serves, and to follow Jesus means you serve. And it's got to be non-negotiable to you. It's got to be an all-in commitment. You've got to make the decision. I've got to serve because I'm a, I want to follow you. I want to put my hand to the plow, to the lawnmower. I want to focus. I want to drive without tech. You know, all of those, all those illustrations. I want to put, I want to serve because Jesus serves. And one of the reasons that we veer off often One of the reasons that we veer off from staying focused on Jesus is because we allow these to be negotiable commitments. We stop going to church for a little while, or we stop having quiet time for a little while, or we stop loving other people and we allow them to get on our last nerves and we hate them, so we, or, we, or, we, or we stop serving. If you stop any of those things, you are in danger of veering off of your commitment to Jesus. These have to be non-negotiable. These are all in. I'm going to go to church. I'm going to have quiet time. I'm going to love people. I'm going to serve Jesus' body. And you are going to stay focused. That's how you do it. The last one is this. The last one is I want to share my s story. <laughs> I want to share my story. Or my, or my store. I want to do that too. Can you just, can I, you just open up? Here's some Kit Kats. Here's some. <laughs> I want to share my story. Yeah, see? Killed it. Did I put store? Did you just copy and paste? God, I didn't give you good notes, did I? You, surely you read that and you went, what, what is he trying to say about that? All right. I want to share my story. Look, can you be a Christian? and not tell other people about the hope that lives on the inside of you that changes their life and your life. No, you can't. If you can find a place in the New Testament where Jesus wasn't sharing the story of the hope of the universe, then we'll go there, but you're not going to find it. Can you love Jesus and not share your story? Sure. Can you go to heaven and not share your story? Probably. Can you be a Christian and not share the hope of the world that lives on the inside of you that has the power to transform lives? No, you can't do it. To be a Christian means you act like Jesus, you talk like Jesus, you have relationships like Jesus. One of the reasons we veer off course, I don't want you to lift up your hand, but I just want to ask you how often, how many times have you been doing really good and then you veered off and started doing stupid things? How many times has that happened to us? How many of us have done that, right? One of the reasons we veer off course is because we make these commitments negotiable. And I'm telling you, make an all-in, non-negotiable commitment to these, and you will stay on course with Jesus. You'll stay on course with him. You might have some tough moments of your life, but you'll stay on course. When I was a sophomore in college, 
I worked for a little little um, restaurant called Red Lobster for the seafood lover in you. And uh, I waited tables. And uh, I was a good waiter, by the way. And when I first started at Red Lobster, I had a trainer. Her name was Krista. And Krista was so broken. She was broken. She had been divorced two times. She was living with another woman. She just was having an extremely hard life. And I said, the minute I met her, the moment I met her, I said, Jesus wants to change her life. I can already tell. Like I felt it. Like it burst out of me. I could just, have you ever been around someone who was broken and you went, if Jesus could just get a hold of that person, it would revolutionize everything. And I felt it. I knew it. And I began to pray for her every single day. And I began to invite her to church with me. And I even went and I asked her one day, um, she didn't have a car. I would go pick her up to train me at work. And we'd get to work. And I remember asking her one day, I said, I said, Krista, you know that I love Jesus and he's changed my life. And I think he could change yours. And she would say, Jeremy, I, you don't know how broken I am. You don't know how many problems I have. Just drugs. She just had problems. And I said, she goes, you've, you, you, you're a good kid. I was. She said, you're a good kid. You, you, don't, you, don't know, you don't know this life I've lived. There's no way. And I said, you, Krista, you don't understand. I said, Do you, have you ever read the Bible? She said, I don't have a Bible. I went and bought her a Bible. I got her name engraved on it. Or whatever you call that. I guess that's not engraved, but whatever. The little glossy letters. Embossed. Stamped on it. And I kept bugging her. I said, Chris, you got to come to church with me. There's hope for your life. I promise you. Jeremy, you don't know. I'm so jacked up. I said, no, Krista, there's hope for you. Somehow, I talked her into going to church with me. And I remember sitting. And I just would share, Jesus will change your life. I remember sitting beside her in church. And the pastor was preaching. Who the heck knows what he was preaching about? But I remember looking over at her and tears are flowing down her face. The whole service. We sang. She didn't know none of the songs. How would you know the songs, right? She, she didn't go to church. She'd never been to church. Tears. Pastor's preaching. Tears. Altar call. Boom. She's right down there. Gave her heart to Jesus. Because I knew that my job, part of my commitment to Jesus was to share my story. I have to share it. Okay. I just want to, I want to get us out of here tonight. But I want, I want to just, I want to, I want to be clear. I want it to be obvious. If we're going to follow Jesus, there are four non-negotiable, all-in commitments that we have to make. If you're going to be a Christian, you're going to follow Jesus, all-in. You've got to make a commitment, I want to experience God. You've got to make a commitment that I want to love and be loved. You've got to make a commitment that I want to serve Jesus' body. You've got to make a commitment that I want to share my story of how Jesus changed my life. If you are sick and tired of making a commitment to follow Jesus and then getting caught off track and, and making dumb decisions, then this message is so for you. If you'll make a commitment to these four things, you will stay on course. If you'll put your hand to the plow. You'll put your hand on the lawnmower and you'll face forward and you'll keep rowing. You'll keep moving. You'll keep doing. You'll keep moving toward Christ. The reasons we get off is because we make a, a, a commitment that is non-negotiable. We make it negotiable. If you'll close your eyes tonight, I'm going to ask our leaders to come up to come up front, and I want to ask a couple questions. In uh, and then um, we'll get out of here in just a little bit, just a minute. But I want to ask a couple questions. The first one is this: If you say, Pastor Jeremy, I haven't made a commitment to follow Jesus Christ. 
haven't even made that commitment. And tonight's the night that I need to do that with nobody looking around, everybody's eyes closed. If you need to make a commitment to follow Jesus, if you listen to this and you said, boy, I, 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 guess, I, I guess I'm not a Christian. I came down front one time and I prayed, but I, I guess I'm not a Christian. It's time I make a commitment. It's time I make a, a, a non-negotiable all-in commitment. If that's you tonight, will you raise your hand? We want to pray for you tonight. Anybody in here? It's time for me to, good, I see you. Anybody else? Good, I see you. Anybody else? Got you. You can put your hands down. Anybody else? Second one is this. If you say, Pastor Jeremy, I was listening to those all-in non-negotiable commitments, and as you said some of those things, I realized that I have allowed one or more of those commitments to be negotiable in my life. And I am challenged by Jesus to follow him, and I know that I've got to make an all-in non-negotiable commitment to all four, but I've, but I've laxed on one or two or four of them. If that's you tonight, will you lift your hand? I, I, there's, I've got to make some i got to make some changes. Good. And the last one is this. Super simple. If there's anything you want to pray about, that's why we have 12 to 15 leaders up here to pray with you every single night. Because we want to hear about your life and we want to pray with you about the, about the worries and the, and the stuff that's on your heart. So if you'll stand with me tonight, Daniel's going to put on something soft. If you lifted your hand or you didn't lift your hand and you just need somebody to pray with you, we're here tonight. So I'm going to start praying, and then I'm going to ask that if you lifted your hand, the, the 10 or so of you that lifted your hand, and then the, the few of you that need to come up here and pray. If you'll do that, I'm going to start praying. Just go ahead and start moving, okay? Jesus, I'm grateful that you challenge us. Go ahead. If you lifted your hand, go ahead and head this way. Jesus, I'm grateful that you challenge us to become more like you. The Christian has to actually mean something. It's got to mean something. It's got to mean that I follow Jesus that I do what he does and say what he says and have relationships that he has. Tonight, will you encourage young people? In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, there's a handful.